Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 470. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hello. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at After Sun, which is available now on VOD platforms. We'll also be going over someone watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes. Forget a moment. Uh... New Save by the 90s is going to be out pretty soon. We're going to be recording it this week. Uh, we're going to be doing dog movies. <laughs> and I got to say, right before we recorded this show, I just got done watching Airbud for the first time. For the first time, Airbud. Yeah, uh-huh. never never saw Airbud. Did you? Have you seen Airbud? No, I've never seen Airbud. Yeah, it was we uh, like we, we missed the cutoff for Airbud, yeah. I think. We were we were like thirteen when that movie came out, so certainly missed the cutoff for it. Yeah, which is a good thing. After seeing it, I'm I'm glad that we missed the cutoff for Airbud. <laughs> I'm sure that our parents are glad too. They didn't have to, because you know when you're a kid, you just watch the same like two movies over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So does the Airbud? Does Kenny Ball? You know, it's weird because they don't they don't put him in the game until the very final scene in the movie. So it's kind of like not really it's Airbud, but there's not a lot of Airbudding going on. It's mostly just the kid playing basketball, yeah. and he's like wants to see this dumb little kid playing yeah. basketball. You well, want to see Airbud? Air yeah, and Airbud's a golden retriever, correct? Mm-hmm. I don't like them. Okay. I don't like, I don't like golden retrievers. You know, I, they irritate me. They're dumb dogs. I, I, like I have them. a little bit of a confession to make. I don't like them either. And yeah. so, just yeah. I don't like them. I don't, I don't like. I don't just. I don't know what it is. I just see them and I'm like, I don't like you. I find them to be too generic. That's my problem. Like when, like, when you say dog, when you just say dog. I feel like uh, the golden retriever is like the most generic dog breed that just pops into your yeah. head. You know, it's like a yeah, it's like a default. It's like a placeholder. Yeah, like when you like dog. every time you look at like you know children's books or whatever, just anything that just involves generic dog, it's always like a golden retriever. Yeah, they're just not. They're just not interesting. Man. Just fuck them. Got no personality. To be clear, I love all dogs, regardless of breed. But there are some breeds yeah, that I I'm mean, just. I'll, I'll still pet them. Yeah, of course. Who's a good boy? Love you. But it's like a, it's a mouth breather of a dog. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. No, Except Air. No, I mean, Airbud can he can play basketball and apparently other sports in addition to basketball as well. Oh yeah, soccer, volleyball, baseball, football. I like how the baseball one incorporates a raccoon. I might have to watch that one. Because <laughs> it has a raccoon. I mean, come on, dude. There Kidding are, me? yeah, there are like, I think there's like five proper Airbud movies, and then the like Airbud Extended Universe has like 14 or 15. Because after, after the first few Airbuds, they spun it off into like Air Buddies, mm-hmm. which are like the puppies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk more about it on the sh- on the uh, say, on say by the nineties 
this month. So stay tuned for that. Uh, with that, I think we can kind of do a sharp 180 here and talk about After Sun. I have a synopsis here. Sophie reflects on the shared joy and private melancholy of a holiday she took with her father 20 years earlier. Memories real and imagined fill the gaps between as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. This is written and directed by Charlotte Wells. Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. This is one that when we did our, our year-end top tens, I said that this is one that I missed, that I wanted to see, that didn't I didn't have a chance to, and I thought that it might have the have the the chance to end up on my top 10 i'll just tell you right now it definitely would and i think that would be number one like i i just straight up think that had i seen this before we did our lists this would have been my number one movie of the year i was absolutely floored by this i loved every moment of it uh and i I just thought it was absolutely near perfect like every every aspect of it like just the, the level of nuance in this, the storytelling, the cinematography, the music. I think that it was just all so meticulously, lovingly crafted. And uh, I think it's amazing that this is Charlotte Wells' feature debut as well. Like, what a strong debut. I know she made some short films before this, which I haven't seen, but... Yeah, that was going to be my piggyback right after everything that you were saying. Just going to point out that it's a feature debut, you know, which is just kind of crazy, really. Because what you're talking about, like every aspect of this, is just on point. And it just looks, you know, the whole thing feels like it's been it's done by someone that's been doing this for quite some time. But surprise, they haven't. It's, it's so wild, too. And it feels, it's a fictional story, as far as I know, but it feels so real and so, like, lived. You know, like, the, the, uh, mo- yeah, the moments. There's got to be some aspects to it. If not, like, that's even more impressive if you're able to conjure those types of feelings and present it in that way without having those lived experiences. Like, that's insane. Yeah. I... I loved the I loved the storytelling of this. In a lot of ways it is it almost plays like a coming of age story, but at the same time it is like the synopsis says it's it's the main character as she's remembering this vacation she had with her father. And it's like it's one of those movies where the whole time you're just expecting something horrible to happen, but it, it's it's not a movie that's designed to do that so i i feel like it it in some ways circumvents your expectations but i think that it does so in a a really effective way like i don't I, it wouldn't be as effective if it turned out like if something crazy happened at the end like it wouldn't it wouldn't i think have as big of an impact than, no and than i think it does it I think it does a great job of like alluding to things mm-hmm. and keeping it in the point of view of the young girl as to like us, the viewer seeing things, you know, we can kind of piece it together. Like, Oh, okay. This guy probably has some and that- definitely like addiction issues or something. And you know, and that she's not a hundred percent seeing it because she's kid. And, and, and that was one of the things. 
that was one of the things I love the most about this movie is that you have this it, it, from time to time, it'll cut away from young Sophie. And this takes place in the early two thousands to current day Sophie, where she's turning 31. She's, she's the same age as her father when they were on this vacation. And she's watching the home movie footage that they took during this vacation. She's remembering the, the pieces, the elements of this vacation, but she wasn't there for all of it. As far as like, she wasn't there with her dad for all of it. So those missing pieces, she's just kind of inferring what happened. So like what we're seeing as the audience, like we can't be entirely sure that that's even how this all played out. We're just seeing what she's imagining happened. It's sort of like these false memories. And from that, like you said, we're able to put the pieces together about her father's kind of personal like issues that he was having, be it, you know, uh, mental issues, addiction, whatever, whatever it was that was sort of plaguing him. She never saw that as a child, but then when we, when she revisits it, she kind of fills in the blanks. And I thought that that was amazing. Like I thought that that was such pitch perfect storytelling. Oh yeah. And the way that she goes about it too. And in, in that kind of, um, oh, oh man, like these, these kind of fleeting moments, you know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. just, it kind of goes in and out and it jumps around. And it's and nothing just, major. Like there's no, no like there's no major conflicts. There's no major like revelations or anything like that. Everything is, is very subdued. Everything is very nuanced. I mean, uh, Paul Mescal, who plays the dad Callum, he, he got nominated for an Oscar for his performance in this movie, which I think is definitely deserved because he's absolutely incredible in this, uh, as is the, the girl who plays Sophie, Frankie Corio. And so you have this, like, I mean, at the end of the day, like he, he is a very caring, loving father. So, so it's not like he's, you know, abusive or neglectful or anything like that, but it's like him trying to, he like, he's dealing with a lot of internal stuff. Like you can, you could always tell that he's, he's always like kind of on the edge, but then he puts on this like facade because he wants yeah. to give his daughter a good vacation. Well, I think also the the good way of, that they go about it is you could tell that like he's he's trying really hard. Mm-hmm. Like he knows that he has his issues and he's working on them and he's trying really hard and he's not perfect at it. Right. And that's the other thing is like you see these little these little things where he's like clearly trying to get better. He has these like he does this like meditation stuff and he has like the books and stuff like that. And like he, I think one great scene is the, the scene with the carpets when he buys the rug, like mm-hmm. all like, so, so he's clearly, he's aware of these issues that he's having and he seems to be actively trying to fix it, but it seems to be overcoming him by the end. Yeah. And I think there there was one, 
scene in particular where she gets like all those random people in the bus to sing happy birthday to him like when he's standing at the top mm. kind of gives you a like sort of a insight into his psyche like that's happening and the immediate um transition is to him sobbing naked in bed because that's like his first thought Mm is like he doesn't deserve any of this another great scene is towards the end the dance club scene when it's like flashing back and forth between the older sophie and her father when she's like sort of confronting him or i don't know if you call it confronting or meeting him or i guess you'd say confronting but that was a really great scene too at the at the very end yeah i mean i just i can't speak highly enough about this movie i just i was just so enthralled by it like it's not it's it's a movie that I think just it stuck with me to the point where I was just thinking about it days and days later. Like just I can't stop thinking about this movie, and it's it's almost the kind of movie that you want to rewatch because I feel like there's a lot of layers to it. There's so many like subtle things with with their relationship and with the things that he says and the thing like how, how she interacts with him and stuff that it's just, there's just so much here. And that's so impressive when at the end of the day, the story itself is, is quite simple on the surface. Oh yeah. No, it's a very subdued movie. Like there's not a ton going on, but there is at the same time, like on an emotional level, but like from a narrative level, there's not a ton. No. And I, there's the the uh, like the technical aspects of this. I did really appreciate all the things that you mentioned: the cinematography, the pacing, editing, music, all that stuff. But then there's also that um, kind of mix in between the the mini DV footage on mm-hmm. the TV mm-hmm. and the reflection. Oh man, that scene! It happened in real time, and then the reflection off of the TV as well. That scene was yeah. really incredible. Like how that was shot, where you're seeing like the multiple reflections and the, the footage and stuff. Cause the, the big, a big part of this is that older Sophie is watching back this footage. So, so that's like, you know, she, she's experiencing this vacation all over again as she's staying in the same place that she did when she was uh, 11. And it man, that like that scene was just so, just so well shot. Everything. Uh, yeah. Everything looks great. The, as far as the cinematography goes, it's one of these movies where it does feel dated. Like it feels like it could be the, the nineties or early two thousands, but it doesn't hammer you over the head with it or anything like that. It, it does it in a, in a way that you recognize that it is an, a movie that takes place in the past, but they don't like, you know, bombard you with pop culture stuff. And the thing and the like the the music selections and stuff I think are done in a in a really effective way where it's nostalgic but it's not like doesn't feel tacked on or anything like that. Yeah. No, I was I was quite surprised by this one. Honestly. First was like when it like early on in I was just like, really, this is Adam's favorite movie would have been the favorite movie from last year. That's surprising. 
And then also, I think I went into it where there was just so much hype where I was kind of like, uh, yeah, this is going to be fine. And then to find out that, no, this is actually really good. Yeah. It, I, the hype is kind of real. I like, honestly, I wasn't like f- from the beginning, I was enjoying it, but I wasn't like loving it at the beginning. I was just like, okay. Yeah. Because I didn't really know where it was going or just how big of an impact it would have on me. But as it kept progressing and you get to know the, 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 the father and the daughter more, and you sort of see where, where it's going and what it's saying. It's that, that's when it really just kind of completely hooked me. I mean, it's a, it's weird because it is a very sad movie. It's a devastating movie in a lot of ways, but not, not maybe how you would think because it's not like you see the dad die or anything like that. It's all like sort of implied things. And I think that in some ways that makes it even more kind of yeah. devastating. Cause I, yeah. Cause everything's kind of like tinged with that, like happy, sad, bittersweet type where like almost every moment there's, it's like 50, 50 where it's like really endearing. And these like beautiful moments, but then like the other 50% of it, there's like a sadness attached to it. And, and yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing too, is like a lot of these kind of, a lot of these moments that, that she's remembering fondly are very just fleeting, dumb little things like her playing the, that the like motorcycle game and just, just small things that seem insignificant but those oftentimes are some of like the the fondest and strongest memories that we have are these kind of <laughs> insignificant moments that at the time really don't mean anything but then for whatever reason we latch on to those and we look back and those are some of like you know it's it's the small moments and i think that this movie handles that concept in a really incredible way yeah yeah no i was i was surprised also again like it, performances across the board incredible oh yeah uh the i like the the like the the location this like turkish resort liked all that stuff um yeah great great movie loved it i don't think i have anything else to add i i I just implore you to see it like this is this is a must see for me it's one of the few movies from 2022 that i would say like watch it like definitely watch it um i was kind of putting it off for a little while because i don't know why but i expected it to be like just really really sad so i was kind of trying to get myself in the right mindset to go into it yeah and it wasn't what I expected, I guess. I mean, it, it is sad, but in a, in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 stealth sad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like the the sadness is like the full intent of this movie. It's not, you know, just like oh, here I'm just going to give you sad stuff, right? Yeah, run over, just shovel it your way. It's it doesn't it doesn't seem designed to like rip your heart out or anything, and like 
have you bawling by the end. It's it's just that the the emotion is like a, just a byproduct of what what's happening in this. But all right, let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, I'm gonna give this one. I gave this a five out of five on Letterbox. Is my my second movie of 2022 that had a five out of five and. I'm struggling to really find any major faults with this. So I'm at like, I hesitate to give it a 10, but it's, it's like a strong nine for me or a nine and a half even. Yeah. I'm like at eight and a half. It could be a nine. I'm like right there, right on the edge. And, and also part of, part of my score with this is just, like I said before, the, the lasting power of it, the, the, the fact that this I, I've been thinking about this movie for days after I've seen it and just like going over it in my head and thinking about like specific scenes, like when they were doing that like mud bath thing and like just going over every little moment. And that is a very rare thing for me these days. Yeah, it is. It is nice when that happens. Get one to stick in that brain of yours. Heck yeah. All right, that's after Sun again. That's on demand right now, so give it give it a rent. It's uh, I looked it up because I was telling my dad about it, and it's like it's like three ninety nine. So nine, yeah, that's not bad at all. It's totally worth it. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I saw a ton of stuff over the like because we were off last week. Uh, didn't have anything to cover last week. It was yeah. it was like dead. So, and I was like just getting back into town, so it wasn't, I didn't have a lot of time to watch anything anyway, but, um, I don't know. As a result, I have a ton of stuff, but I'm only going to go over, uh, a a few things here. Number one, I guess I'll start with, uh, video phobia. This is from, uh, Daisuke Miyazaki. This is from 2019. Uh, this is a... This it's a very kind of subdued paranoid thriller about a young woman who has like a, a one night stand with this guy and he secretly films it and posts it online and she ends up finding it. And at first she like kinda doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal. But as the days and weeks progress it starts to really affect begin affecting her and the the film just kind of goes through the what this does to her and the psychological turmoil that it that it causes her it's uh yeah it, i mean this is very it's very lo-fi like there's not a whole lot that goes on here but uh, I think that it is a pretty incredible movie. It looks gorgeous, shot in black and white. Uh, seems like it might be shot on 16 millimeter. I'm not sure. I couldn't find the technical specifications for this one. But yeah, I, I liked this quite a lot. It's a bit of a slow burn. It's it's almost a no burn, really. Okay. But but it goes to some interesting places and I haven't seen any, like I haven't really seen too many like low budget, like indie 
kind of art house Japanese movies in quite a while. So th- this one, it, I don't know. I guess I was just kind of in the mood for something like this. So I would recommend it. Videophobia. Kevin, I think you'll like this one quite a bit. Might have to check this out. Never even heard of it. Um, I watched Robert Altman's Images from 1972. Caught this on Tubi. Hmm. So Tubi. This is uh, Susanna York. Uh, she plays Catherine. Catherine's just eh, kind of losing her bearings a little bit. She's uh, suffering from schizophrenia. And she's haunted by hallucinations mm. of like past lovers just showing up. And are they real? Are they not real? Who knows? Like they're just in the house. Next thing you know, boom, pop in the house. So there's a lot of that going on. She's there with like her husband and then like he'll walk out the front door to go hunting. And then all of a sudden this French guy comes out from the side door and he's just like, hey, how's it going, Catherine? She's like, what the fuck are you doing here? But that's because she's got schizophrenia. And, uh, you know, it's an okay movie. Like some of it, the way the way in which it's shot, I mean, it's Altman. So, you know, the the filmmaking, the technical aspects of it are pretty good. But uh, if you're the type, and I think you are, as am I, where you're kind of sick and tired of the, is she crazy? Yeah. Because this one's like, it's really, it's really quick where it's like, is she crazy? She definitely is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're just uh, like, well, okay. That's, that's kind of the. a a twist on it because whenever there's one of those is she crazy movies she never is crazy yeah so it it might be kind of refreshing just to have one where it's like no she is she definitely is but even then it still like doesn't work 100 percent because like she finally gets sick and tired of the frenchman she's like i I want you to leave the house you need to get the fuck out of here and he's like i'm not leaving you know i'm like a figment of your imagination so she kills him right and then she kills another guy. But when other people come to the house, obviously their bodies aren't there. And then at the end, it's like, oh, she killed all these people. And you're like, I I don't know. I didn't, none of this makes sense. I don't know who she killed, who she didn't kill. I don't know who's still alive and was had the opportunity to be killed or they died years earlier. I don't know. And I don't really want to find out. I'm not really going to look into this further. I'm just, <laughs> just like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> Move on with my day. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's images from Robert Altman. I, I need to flesh, flesh out my Altman filmography. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm attempting to do here. But also, I think another thing of it is Susanna York. Not a big fan. Mm. Not a fan of her. Got it. I saw Roller Coaster from 1977. This is directed by James Goldstone. This is one that I've been meaning to watch forever. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm in the mood. Let's do it. Roller coaster. Uh, What this is about is a, there's a terrorist who's going (laughs) around to theme parks and putting bombs on roller coasters and and blowing them up. And Uh George Siegel plays a, he's like a, like a safety commission guy. Like he inspects, the like different roller coasters make sure that they're safe and he's the one who kind of figures out that they're that it's not like because the first two that happen they think it's just an accident like something went wrong but he like immediately figures out like oh no somebody's sabotaging these coasters man 
And so like the FBI kind of pulls him in as like an expert. And then the terrorist guy is like, okay, well this guy's like figuring me out. So he kind of pulls him in and starts having him do like doing tasks for him and stuff. And basically what one whole giant portion of the movie is just the terrorist telling George Siegel to ride different rides at a, at a, a theme park and it, like him just getting on rides and riding rides. And it was, uh, th- th- that was kind of an amazing scene. Incredible. Um, yeah. So it's really fun. I enjoyed the seventies theme park thing. Cause this takes place in, I don't know, like three or four different theme parks. And it's just, I don't know. It's just fun to see these like, theme parks in the seventies. The story was pretty, pretty entertaining too. It sort of reminded me of like die hard, like die hard three or something where like, we know who the guy is like right away. And it's Mm -hmm. just like him, you know, calling up George Siegel and being like, go here in 10 minutes, get on, get on the coaster, ride it twice. And I don't know. the, The ending was a little bit, whatever it was, find the end i think that they could have maybe made it a little bit more exciting but overall it's a pretty good time it sounds incredible yeah there's also a great scene like the first the first coaster it was kind of a tense scene because you knew it was gonna blow up but you didn't know when and like he would wait for like multiple like go rounds and you're just like is he gonna do it is he ever gonna do it and then when he finally does it in the the coaster like flies off the track. There's this one scene where like you see the the cart, one of the carts just land upside down and it's clearly all like dummies in it, but they just get demolished. It's great. (laughs) Uh, That's what you would want. That is what you would want. Mm -hmm. Uh, I watched Manhunt from 1941. Fritz Lang. This is uh, on the Criterion channel. It's a black and white movie of the uh, guy named Thorndike. He's a British hunter. I guess like the most famous big game hunter there is. He's vacationed in Bavaria, right? And he just happens to be like working his way through the woods, gets to a cliffside. Boom. What's across, what's across the way? Hitler's home. Hitler's outside. Huh. Just hanging out. And he's like, ah, you know what? I'm going to get him in my sights. And then he does, like, a, his gun isn't loading, he just clicks. He's like, ah, I gotcha. And then he decides, what if, maybe I'll put a bullet in the gun. So he puts a bullet in, and then, of course, like, before he's able to pull the trigger, which he says he wasn't going to, it just he had to make it feel more real. It was just a, a friendly game of stalking his prey. But he gets captured, he gets roughed up and everything, but he's somehow able to make it back to London. And... The Germans come to London, and it's essentially, you know, manhunt. Hunt this guy down. And um, it's okay. Like, it starts off really strong. It's really exciting. And some of the, like, cat and mouse chase sequences are pretty good. But, man, there's just a lot of fluff in this movie. It just doesn't work for me. Joan Bennett plays a... um, I don't know what they were doing with her character because she's kind of like a love interest, but it doesn't make any sense at all. 
and it doesn't work. And she has a ridiculous accent because mm. she's kind of doing like a, I don't know if it's like a Cockney, like <laughs> working class girl type thing. It's so bad. And even Walter Pigeon, who plays Thorndike, like, it's just the accent work all around from everybody in this movie just doesn't really work. And it has a ridiculous ending where he just like drops it. Like he signs up for the, for the war and he's supposed to be, you know, going on this like recon mission. And he's like, fucking, I'm taking my gun and I'm just jumping out of the airplane without anybody knowing. And they're like, oh, somewhere out there, Thornbeck is out there and he's going to get our guy Hitler. <laughs> it's like, no, he's not. He's not. I know how to end it. He doesn't do it. <laughs> mm. All right. That sounds kind of fun. It's not, it's, it's not bad, but there's, there's better ones out there, you know? Yeah. All right. That's Manhunt. I saw Missing. This is the new one from Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick. It's the Screen Life one. I did see this in the theater. And uh, I saw Searching in the theater, too. So this is this is a, sort of a kind of a sequel to Searching. And it involves a, a young woman who her mom and her new her her soon to be stepdad i guess at the time just her mom's boyfriend they go off on a, a vacation together and they suddenly go missing and so the the whole movie is just the daughter using the internet using her computer to figure out like what happened there's all kinds of twists and turns you know, secrets, truths, all this stuff that get revealed. Uh, and it's, it's super fun. I think that this one is actually better than searching. And I think that this also may be my favorite implementation of the, the whole screen life really? f- format. Yeah. There's wow. some really cool stuff that they do in this one. So it, like, as far as it, see, the thing is like, there's not that many movies that, that, have this style. So I feel like it's not completely worn out yet. You know, yeah. like like when when found footage came back after paranormal activity and like just the whole market got flooded with found footage, it wore out it, it just wore out its welcome. With the screen life thing, there are few there are very few movies that do it and they're always spaced out, you know, by a, at least a year or two. So yeah, I think this one does does it in a really interesting way. I love the I mean, where it goes, like I didn't I didn't see it coming. Like I said, lots of twists. And I thought it was really cool how, where where it went. So, yeah, I definitely recommend missing. I don't think you need to see it in the theater, but I think that once it hits like VOD, it's definitely worth a look. Really good implementation of screen life too. Like they do they do stuff that I haven't seen before, um, and it's just very clever. Interesting. I think you'd like it. Hmm. I think you would. Yeah, I might have. I'm gonna have to check out this. Check this out. Uh, one that I was uh, trying for a long time not to check out because I just had a feeling that I wasn't gonna like it. That's the worst person in the world. Mm. I finally checked it out, and I didn't like it. Oh. I was I was surprised though that this this movie was a little bit more whimsical than I was expecting. 
Mm-hmm. So that was like a pleasant surprise, but just the, I don't, I don't know. I just found so much of it just kind of grating and irritating. And I just, I did not have a good time. Did not have a good time while I was watching this bad boy. I remember it being a lot so, heavier than I expected. Yeah, it was kind of a weird juxtaposition is how heavy it gets and then how whimsical it is at time. Because like the heavy stuff that I kind of expect from him as a director, the whimsy was kind of surprising. It was like, oh, I don't remember him really doing that. So that was a nice change of pace, but I don't know. I just, just the whole story and the characters and everything, it just, it felt really um, just uh, contrived. Mm. Just not... It just felt like two dudes writing a woman character that should not be writing a woman character, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. I remember liking this, but I don't remember any like specifics as to why I liked yeah. it. <laughs> she like there's nothing to her. And then like like her big thing is she writes an article about how she likes to be face fucked. And it's like, okay, that's what? But like, she has no life outside of her two boyfriends, really. Yes, that's I don't what, know. Just I found it irritating. Just that's what irritating. makes her the worst person in the world, right? I guess I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, I I checked out after a while. It's just like, all right, well, I just make it till the end. Here's one that surprised me that I saw. Uh, Megan. Me. Megan. Oh yeah. The this thing. the Gerard. Johnstone one about the 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 AI doll thing. So what is this? What is this? Because uh, it creeps me out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a creepy. It's a creepy doll movie, sort of. Uh, more like uh, more like a creepy like AI. Basically, it's like the new the Chucky reboot. Uh, it's kind of the same concept there, where it's like a it's a robot. Um, I was kind of surprised with this. It is exactly what you would expect. So like all the kind of rogue AI cliches are here and it doesn't really deviate too much from the, the kind of standard formula that we've seen, but there are some pretty fun moments in this. I, I liked the, what they did with like, actual doll itself it was a it was a girl a girl plays megan and she just has this like animatronic mask thing so it really kind of enters that uncanny valley territory i think that was the main thing i wanted to know about yeah (laughs) about this good it's very creepy uh it's it's really creepy um but yeah it was uh kind of fun it was it was I wouldn't call it groundbreaking or anything like that. I mean, if you've seen like Westworld or really any, any kind of movie about like robots that go crazy and want to kill people. I mean, there's a little bit more with this one in that, like how she perceives like she's like, she's like just trying to protect her, her owner, her friend. But at the end of the day, it's yeah, pretty standard. Still pretty entertaining though. I kind of liked. I kind of liked uh, where it went. Got a little bonkers. Good, good. Because yeah, that movie has to go bonkers. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Yeah, the director is the guy who did Housebound, which was a uh, I think that was a New Zealand uh, horror comedy that was. Oh shit! I yeah. love I loved Housebound. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! I forgot all about that movie. Mm-hmm. Same same guy did that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, light recommend for Megan. Yeah, good to know. That's all I have. Okay. That's all I have, too. One other quick one that I'll mention is In Search of Darkness Part 3. Uh, I noticed that this was on Shudder. I didn't I didn't realize that it was on Shudder. I knew that it was, like, coming out soon. Um, this is, if you're not familiar, uh, David Weiner made this series of documentaries on 80s horror. And it is, like, the most comprehensive documentary series on 80s horror you will ever see. This is the final one, and it's like it's 342 minutes long. So it's like five and a half hours long. And this is part three. And um, I think in a lot of ways, part three is was maybe the most fun because there were some movies in this that I never even heard of. Like he he they go really obscure with this one. And uh, so if you're a fan of 80s horror and you haven't seen In Search of Darkness, definitely check it out. Uh, all three of them are like four plus hours long. And I think this is the longest one of the of the, the bunch. But man, it's it's awesome. It's such a such a fun series. It's messy as hell, though, man. This one is this one even more so than the others where so they mostly go year by year. So like they'll do 1980 and then cover all the movies that, that came out in 1980, but then they'll like intersperse it with other topics like the shot on video boom and like different, different trends and horror and stuff that, that came up in the nineties or the eighties, but there's like really no, there was like, they just kind of threw them in there and then like, Sometimes they would do like two different topics and then get back to the years. So it's just a little bit all over the place. Not a big deal. It's really just the the kind of the interviews and the information and the clips and all that stuff that you're that you're checking checking this out for. So Yeah, In Search of Darkness Part 3. Also, he's working on a 90s one right now. So I'm very very excited for that. Good lord! I, I the nineties one. I think it's going to cover nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety four. Whereas with this, the eighties series, each one went through the whole decade, and then they just covered different movies for uh, okay. the sequel, like each part. Gotcha. So yeah, well, I, I know he's working on a sci fi one too, like an eighties. I don't know if it's just an 80s sci-fi one. Good lord. This guy's got a lot of time. Oh, maybe the maybe the sci-fi one I, I think actually the sci-fi one might be out. Or I see I see that a lot of people reviewed it on Letterboxd. I, I wasn't aware that it was out though. <clears throat> that one's 301 minutes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh I love them though. Like they're the like if you're looking to just like if you're working doing some work on the computer or something or like just you know cl- cleaning and cleaning up it's like the perfect movie to just put on and do other stuff yeah 
it's like a podcast in movie form. Exactly. It's awesome. Some visual examples. And I, and I did find, you know, this part three, I did find a few, a few titles that I'm interested in. There you go. Did its job. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Magic Mike's last dance is the big one. This is going to be the, the, the final, the final in the trilogy. Who would have thought? Uh, Not me. I don't think I even saw the second one. When that first Magic Mike came out, do you ever think to yourself, this is going to be a franchise trilogy? Nope. And I think there was, there was something I saw where it was like, I think, you know what? I think I was at the theater and like, you know how they do like the little pre-show thing. And I think whoever that was presenting it said something about something to the same effect. Like who would have thought it would be a trilogy. Unbelievable. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. I'm not interested in it, but there it is. Uh, we also have Seriously Red coming out, which is surprising okay. to me that that's in theaters, but uh, it is. What is that? It's like, a, I think it's a comedy about a, a Dolly Parton impersonator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So, interesting. Yeah. On VOD this week. Starting with the seventh, we have The Last Deal. We got Mixtape Trilogy, Stories of the Power of Music, which is uh, it's a music documentary, mm-hmm. but it just seems like the most generic thing. Like, it's, like I'm wondering why something like this exists. It's f- f- with the Indigo Girls and Talib Kweli. I just, I don't really get it, but... I don't know. Uh, we also have The Wedding Hustler. That's a rom-com. We got They Wait in the Dark. The Fear Way. And then on the ninth, we have Attachment on Shudder. I'm interested in that one. On the 10th, we have Your Place or Mine on Netflix. We got 10 Days of a Good Man on Netflix. We have one called Disquiet with uh, Jonathan Reese Myers. Like a maybe an action thriller of some kind. We got Sweetheart. Uh, it's a comedy. We got Seriously Red. Somebody I used to know, which is going to be on Amazon Prime. That's the new one from Dave Franco. It's his his sophomore feature. Yeah, it's with Allison Brie. Seems like a, a kind of a romance drama, maybe. Yeah. We got Among the Beasts. Meet me in Paris. That's going to be on Roku. So Roku. Yeah, there you go. And the way out. And on Blu-ray, we have Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. We got the Return of Swamp Thing coming out in 4K. That's the 1989 one. Uh, Warm Bodies from 2013. I really didn't like that movie. Man. Ooh. Did not like that one. The Vagrant from 1992. I literally just talked about that movie. Uh, That Man Bolt from 1973. Uh, If I Were King from 1938. Marco Polo from 1962. Pinocchio 964 from 1991. Now, we covered this on Saved by the 90s 
a couple of years ago for the Halloween episode, we did 90s Japanese horror. And uh, we that was one we watched. And boy, that one is, uh, that one's pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. That yeah. one is not not an enjoyable watch. That was like back in back when like Tetsuo the Iron Man and all those were coming out and like shit was just wild. Like Japanese horror mm-hmm. back then was just wild. Like the guinea pig yeah. movies. Is out of control. Yeah. They were just pushing all the boundaries, man. Uh dot com for murder from two thousand two. That's coming out on arrow. I want to see that too. Uh don't deliver us from evil. 1971 I like do that. it <laughs> don't 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 hey if this I wanted you to deliver us from evil I would have I would have told you let's see spoiler alert from last year baby oopsie Two murder dolls mm-hmm. I'm sorry baby oopsie Two murder dolls now initially I was like kind of that that title piqued my interest and then i saw that it was 2022 and instantly lost oh, interest boy. yeah that's on that's on tubi oh god baby oopsie murder dolls or chapter one on tubi oh, okay so you can get caught up on tubi and then the new one drops tuesday got it yeah i've uh, got Julia from 1974. Joe Pickett. Oh, no, wait, that's a TV show. I've never even heard of that. Joe Pickett. Night Feeder from 1988. Uh, you know, that's pretty much it. What about Criterions? Oh, we got one. We got a box set, and that's three colors from mm. Kozlowski. Got mm. blue, white, red. Getting that new 4K. Hell yeah. Get that 4K UHD. Hell yeah. Brilliant. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakeshaw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>